as I journey through the land, singing as I go, pointing souls to Calvary, to the crimson flow. Many arrows pierce my soul from without within, but my Lord leads me on, through Him I must win. Oh, I want to see Him look upon His face, there to sing forever of the saving grace. On the streets of glory, let me lift my voice, cares all past, home at last, ever to rejoice. When in service for my Lord, dark may be the night, but I'll cling more close to Him, He will give me light. Satan's snares may vex my soul, turn my thoughts aside, but my Lord goes ahead, leads whatever be tied. Oh, I want to see Him look upon His face, there to sing forever of His saving grace. On the streets of glory, let me lift my voice, cares all past, home at last, ever to rejoice. When before me billows rise from the mighty deep, then my Lord directs my part, he to safely keep. And he leads me gently on through this world below. He's a real friend to me, oh, I love him so. Oh, I want to see him look upon his face, there to sing forever of his saving grace. On the streets of glory, let me lift my voice, cares all past, home at last, ever to rejoice, cares all past, home at last, ever to If you're in the battle for the Lord and right, keep on the firing line. If you win, my brother, surely you must fight. Keep on the firing line. There are many dangers that we all must face. If we die of fighting, it is no disgrace. Coward in the service, he will find no place. So keep on the firing line. You must fight, be brave against all evil. Never run, nor even lag behind. If you would win for God and the right, just keep on the firing line. When we get to heaven, brother, we'll be glad. Keep on the firing line. How we'll praise the Savior for the call we had. Keep on the firing line. When we see the souls that we have helped to win, leading them to Jesus from the path of sin, with a shout of welcome we will all march in. So keep on the firing line. You must fight. Be brave against all evil. Never run nor even lag behind. If you would win for God and the right, just keep on the firing line. You must fight. Be brave against all evil. Never run nor even lag behind. If you would win for God and the right, just keep on the firing line. If you would win for God and the right, just keep on the firing line. On the firing line. All right, brother, more weight makes his way up this morning. Looking forward to hearing what the Lord's laid on his heart. Man, I had an opportunity last night to speak with uh, Brother Moore's daddy. And, uh, man, what a, an amazing man. And uh, he started a church down in nowhere, Kentucky. And um, 
250, he was telling me last night, 250 people in the town, and, and, uh, and there were five murders the week before he, he moved there, something of that nature, and, and just the crazy place he moved to, but started a church and, and worked it out for over 40 years uh, in, that little, in that little ministry, and uh, what a blessing and honor to speak with him, um, but I, I want to thank Brother Moore for bringing him along, and it looks like he's got his dad up here I with him right now. I have got my dad with me this morning. This is a men's conference, and I wanted to introduce a man to you this morning. And, uh, Dad, I, I, I praise the Lord for his influence in my life, and he is what uh, Pastor O'Donnell mentioned in his lesson last night uh, concerning being, being the man for your children and making that influence in uh, their life. Dad was that for me. Now, I just want to give you a little background on Dad, and then I want him to pray for us this morning. And let me say, any of you, uh, you would do well today if uh, you have a moment and got a need, I mean a need, that you need somebody to get a hold of heaven for you, and uh, talk to the Lord, maybe your children, uh, on my, all the way here this morning, uh, Dad said, you you drive, I'll pray. And I said, that's a good deal right there. And uh, I drove, he prayed. But I'll tell you, just getting hold of heaven. It's like heaven comes in with us. And I want him to pray for us a moment. But Dad's a man. He grew up in very difficult circumstances. He, he, he grew up really in a godless home, his father. And a father that worked four boys like mules. And then uh, drank and gambled all the, the money that he made and had a grandmother that kept them together and uh, worked hard. But Dad didn't hardly get an education. Dad said his, uh, when most were getting uh, the three R's, he was getting the three P's, uh, picking cotton, pulling corn, and pitching hay. And that was Dad's education. He earned his first nickel when he was five years old. He picked a hundred pounds of cotton and outpicked his older brother's. And he, he uh, earned a nickel uh, for that day's work uh, of labor. And uh, that's the kind of upbringing that he had. And when God saved him over in Korea, uh, Dad was on the front lines. And him with his squad that he was ordered to take back a mountain that the Chinese had taken. And uh, they uh, came from his point squad. He was the point squad and all of his men, they came into an ambush and, and uh, all of his men were either killed or wounded and dad was wounded. And, um, but in that hospital tent, there was a man, a soul winner, who came and uh, stood in that tent. It was on a, on a Sunday and dad had been in those battles when he said that it reminded him of hell, what the old uh, World War II soldiers had said, you know, war is hell. And Dad said, uh, you know, oh God, if hell is anything like this, I sure don't want to go there. And uh, a chaplain with a testament in his hand came to that uh, tent that after Sunday afternoon after Dad had had surgery to remove the shrapnel that killed one of his men, took the mortar, took the man's head off, and the shrapnel uh, hit Dad and removed that shrapnel. And uh, that afternoon, that chaplain came with that New Testament, took John 5, 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word believes on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death into life. Dad said, I've seen enough death. I want to see life. And God changed his life. But what an example that he was, has been for me in my life. At, when I was four years old, he moved our family into a godless community. And... Um, Mur five murders that previous year. The sheriff would not go in there and told Dad he was crazy to take his family in there. And But that's where Dad moved us and changed us community. He built a church and an old one-room schoolhouse and, and uh, ran about a hundred people before he was able to build a new building and start a school and built an amazing work up there. But God used him greatly. But uh, what an example that he's been in my life of being a man. And that's something that we're lacking today. And I'm going to be speaking on that subject today. Twice in the Word of God, both are concerning being in warfare. The phrase, play 
the man. Play the man is used twice. And I'm, I'm telling you, in this age in which we're living, we're lacking some men. And I want my dad to lead us in prayer. And uh, dad, it seems strange for me to bring dad up these stairs. Dad's the strongest man I ever knew. Strongest man I ever knew. I never saw him. He arm wrestled. You ought to shake hands with him. Now, take a look at his hands. Milking cows, five cows before breakfast every morning. Growing up, working hands. His hands could crush most men's hands. I mean, just strong man. And uh, he, he taught us to be that kind of a man. Uh, not shy away from work. Or not shy away from a fight. If the, if the cause was right. And um, that's the kind of man. But at the same time, I've seen my dad when hadn't, having opportunities. And most men would have taken the opportunity. Uh, to have uh, took the fight because he could have, but I've seen tears coming down his face, disarm a man, and and uh, be a witness and tell him about Jesus and and uh, win him to Christ, and uh, that's that's being a man. I want him to pray for us. And it seems strange for me to help him upstairs. You know, he used to take us boys. He'd wrestle with us. Uh, he'd. Uh, we, we always like to do that. He would do that sort of thing with us, box with us. We had boxing gloves, and we would wrestle, and and uh, we would do all that. And, you know, sometimes as boys, his three of us boys and, and my sister, and he would, uh, and we'd take Dad on, and we'd start wrestling, and we'd all just be grabbing and holding and pulling. He'd put us in a little pile, he'd, and then he'd, he'd get on top of us, and then he'd call my mama. And he'd call my sister to come look at us, you know. He'd be on top. And it seems so strange for me. That's one reason, too. Even when my grandkids now, hey, I never let them win. Uh, they're going to have to earn that. I never will forget the day I could beat my dad arm wrestling. And, uh, but he never let that happen. And it seems strange to me helping him up these stairs. But he's still a man. He's still a man. I want him to lead us in prayer and ask God to help us as I speak this morning. Heavenly Father, it's so wonderful that we could call you our Father. Thank you for your great gift of your only begotten Son to this ungodly world. We all deserve to be in hell burning with fire forever. But, Lord, you had mercy on us. You brought us here this morning to give us revival and help us. Oh, God, if every man here this morning, we could change, make a difference in this United States of America if we fully give ourselves to you, thank you, Father, for the sweet Holy Spirit that abides with us just as Jesus was with his apostles. Lord, I'd help us to realize that we can ask you for anything. You're able to give us and help us when it seems there's no help for us. Lord, we pray that you would bless these men. Oh, God, help us this morning to forsake our sin and ask your forgiveness of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then I pray, Lord, you would fill us with your Spirit. Oh, to have the power of God If we just wanted to, we could have the power of Jesus that he walked with upon this earth. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for being a man. You was the God-man. You was all God, you was all man. You laid in that tomb 48 hours, and you rose from the dead. 
You laid there as a man. You died as a man. But you arose as God. And you ever liveth to make intercession for us. Now, Lord, help us to be prayer warriors. As they sang a while ago, many battles we face, but you're the victory, Lord. Help us to claim that victory and have that victory. And we give you praise for it all in Jesus' name. Bless everyone that graces this platform this morning. Oh, stir our hearts. Let us go away from here with revival in our soul, determined to help some wicked person turn to you and be saved. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Jesus, sweet and precious name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. 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 We are living in an age in which is dominated by a feminine society. Let me hold his shoulders. You think about boys that are growing up, over half of them without a father in their home, being taught, dominated by a woman, You, we send them off to schools, beginning at kindergarten. They have a, as a role of teacher, they have a feminine influence. They're taught to react and to behave in situations as a woman all the emotions, everything, and their behavior, it has from a feminine viewpoint. Now, we're in a great battle today. I mean, there's never been in my life such conflict as there is today, globally. But our nation, but our homes, our families, and um, we need today... Uncle Sam used to call for men. The Marines uh, boasted of needing a few good men. I don't, I don't hear that motto anymore because uh, now the women, of the, even the feminizing of our military and the approach of uh, that, all the decisions and, and what we're doing even today and um, uh, the ideals... Uh, it is because of a feminine-dominated society. And um, we need some men. But we need young men who know what a man is. Now, again, last night, the message that I spoke on last night, if you began in the book of Genesis, we find God made a likeness to Himself. And He made the family, father, mother, and children in the likeness of the whole are the one God. And we understand the man was uh, made in the likeness of the Father. That, now, there is equality has nothing to do with relationship that we have and the responsibility that we have to the whole. Men... You were made, and God intended you to be. The two examples are the likenesses that you're to be. First of all, first, you're to be as the Father. Jesus Christ came to set that example that we may be. Jesus said, I have come to do the will of my Father. And then he said, as my Father has sent me, so send I you. Now, we are to be and to carry out the will of the Father. Again, the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit never dominated or exalted uh, Himself. And I, I don't intend to use gender, because I think that is part of our problem today. And certainly, uh, in 
God is referred to in the masculine sense, but it is because, as he said of Adam, male and female created he them, and he called their name Adam. We have the name of our father. Well, we do in our society. Uh, And whoever has the authority bears the name. You give your children, the children bear the name of the father. The wife, she bears the name of the father. And the whole uh, family in heaven and earth is named after our father. And Jesus said, I and my father are one. There is an absolute agreement. Now, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit teaches us the will of the Father. Now, no doubt, perhaps many of you, you could say, I had a, I had a very godly teacher, or maybe a woman teacher, and I thank God for all the women that taught me and taught me right. But it has changed today in the sense of this, and even in the home. Do you realize that the responsibility that the mother has in being the keeper at home and the teacher at home is to teach the will of the father? Who receives the, his will is what as God commanded the man that he made and said, of every tree of the garden thou shalt uh, freely eat, but of the tree of the, uh, not, uh, tree of the knowledge, uh, fruit of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. Now, he said, you can, there's some things you have the option to do. Uh, you, you've got a free will. There's some things that uh, uh, you are to do. You're to dress and to keep. But then there's some things you're not to do. Now, God commanded the man. Now, the purpose of the woman that God gave is to carry out. God gave the, his will to the man. And then that man is to teach that will to his children. The mother, or or to give that to his wife and and remain as that authority in the home. That wife is to help carry it out. Now, we have the absence of that in the home. And dominating women who have refused, we'll do our own will. And it's what happened in the Garden of Eden. Again, in chapter 1, God tells us, 35 times who he is, that he is God, he's the maker. And then in chapter 2, we're introduced, he is Lord God, which means he's the master, and the Lord God uh, command the man. Now, you find that all the way through chapter 2 until you get to chapter 3 and verse 1. And we're told there that the serpent, he was more subtle than all the beasts, that the Lord God had made. And the serpent, he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said. What does he leave out? He leaves Lord out. And um, that's what he wants us to do. You don't have to do the will of the Father. Uh, he doesn't have to be your... You can be your own Lord. You can do as you please. And what was the rebuke that God gave to Adam? Why hast thou hearkened the voice of thy wife. I commanded you. I gave you my. Uh, I gave you your will for your life, the domain and the dominion, and God gave it to the man. But then we find that it has been a struggle. Satan he divides the man. He separates homes. He weakens the whole. And he brings confusion. Now, that battle started then and has gone down through the ages. Now, what we need today, we need some men who will not just play the man, but will play the man. And there's those two phrases, as it is used, is found in 2 Samuel chapter 2, the first occasion. Now, in 2 Samuel chapter 2, again, the age is right from the book of Judges in which every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And we know the struggle of the kingdom. They rejected. They rejected the king, uh, God as being their king or their authority. They said, we want someone 
to be our king that can go before us and fight our battles. And uh, we want a king like the other nations. And so they chose uh, Saul, a man that looked good in their eyes. And they made him king. But then we find that Samuel brought their king before them and said, Now look at the man. Look at the king whom ye have chosen. But God hath rejected your king and chosen him a man after his own heart. Now, what kind of heart does God have? Psalm 78 says, the Lord says, I chose David from the sheepfolds, from following the ewes great with young. One problem I do believe that many of our Bible colleges have today, we have chosen the wrong model in uh, trying to produce men and to make leaders. We have chosen Solomon as the example and the role model of which to, to make bring leadership. But David was the man that God had chosen, which was just a shepherd. He was a shepherd. In fact, I challenge you, find in the Bible a leader. The leaders, the great men that God used, they were shepherds. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob... Moses, who would have been a king, thought himself a king, thought himself as he did not understand that the people, that they did not understand how that by his hand God would deliver them. But they said, who made you a king? Who made you a ruler? And so Moses ran away and ran right into a shepherd and 40 years spent learning to be a shepherd. And when he learned the role of being a shepherd, God said, now you're ready to be the man that can lead the children of Israel out. And when Moses turned it over, he said, God, don't let this people uh, be as a sheep without a shepherd. And God said, all right, take Joshua. And that that is played all the way through the Bible. Even the disciples struggle with it. God said, I send you to the lost sheep of Israel. Oh, but who's the greatest? God said, um, uh, he said, it shall not be so among you as it is among the kings of the Gentiles who see everyone as their beneficiary. He says, but today it shall be fulfilled that which is written. The shepherd will be smitten. And the sheep scattered. We need some men who will have the heart of God to be men and to do the will of God for their life, for their family, for their nation, for this world. We find that children of Israel in civil war, at, at, uh, in division, and you find in Second. Samuel, Saul's kingdom, and his sons now. And uh, they are uh, in a struggle with David and the tribe of Judah. And uh, we find Abner. He's the general for uh, the household of Saul. And uh, we find that Joab, he's the general for David. Now, they come out... And if you will notice here in verse number 12, And Abner, the son of Ner, and the servants of Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, went out from Menhanaim to Gibeon. And Joab, the son of Zeruiah, uh, and the servants of David, went out and met together by the pool of Gibeon. And they sat down, the one on the one side of the pool, and the other on the other side of the pool, and Abner said to Joab, Let the young men now arise and play before us. And Joab said, Let them arise. Then there arose and went over by number twelve of Benjamin, which pertained to Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, and twelve of the servants of David. And they called every one his fellow by the head and thrust his sword in his fellow's side, so they fell down together, wherefore that place was called Hel-Kath-Hazarim, which is in Gibeon. And there was a very sore battle that day, and Abner was beaten 
men of Israel before the servants of David. And then we find, if you continue reading, that game of war continued to be played. We find that Asahel, the brother of Joab, who again, playing war, he pursues after Abner. And in sport, it seems, Abner slays uh slaves uh, Asahel. And can I say that when it comes to warfare, Satan will never play by the rules. You want to try to establish the rules of the game. If you're playing in warfare and you're playing in what God has given, uh, the responsibility that God has given and the, the need to be men in this day of war, you'll find out Satan will never play by the rules and you can become a casualty. Now we find here, around this pool, there are 24 young men whose blood has been needlessly spilled and they are laying there all because they were playing men. Never have a wife. They'll never bear to have children. They'll never lead in battle. They'll never prepare or help prepare for the next generation that follows. Their life has been wasted because their life just became a game. If there's ever been a better depiction of men today than that, you'll, find, you'll, you'll not find a better depiction in Scripture. We have men, the Kaepernick uh, mentality, in a sport that once said we're, this is a sport that helps young men learn how to be a man playing football, here these big men who look like men, but yet they're taking a knee, they're pitching temper tantrums, uh, they, they, they uh, believe that somehow it's just all about them, it matters not the rest of their team, it matters not... Uh, concerning their uh, uh, country and uh, their nation or the men who have spilt their blood in honor of our flag. All that matters to them is their personal agenda. And they're just playing men and they're wasting their lives. They have never learned to play the man. Now, we are at warfare. We have great enemies. And we can't be just playing at this game. The world, the flesh, and the devil, and Satan, he wants to divide. He wants to destroy. Now, I want us to look at uh, this phrase in verse number 14. Abner said... Let's let the young men play before us. Now, what a foolish game. What a foolish sport. And can I say, they took their sport from the world. It was, as oftentimes would be, like the Philistines or the other heathen who would oftentimes portray a game or make a game out of the conflict as happened with Goliath. Let's let some come before us and fight and, and have sport. And yes, someone is going to die in the end of this sport. There's going to be casualties. The Aztecs had an annual game that they played. It was a great honor to be able to be a, a part of that uh, sport and and they would choose uh, two teams and uh, they would be these men uh, that would go uh, and have some sort of a 
uh, sport. But the consequence, the losing team were sacrificed. Their hearts cut out and offered uh, as a as the sacrifice to their gods. Now, let me say that war is not a sport. There are casualties, but they did this. You see these 12 men around this pool. And they come and each man takes the other by the head. Leaving them totally defenseless. No doubt perhaps clutching their beard. And with that hold upon the beard in one hand. And their sword in the other. And upon the signal, all 24 of these men. The 12 with their opposing opponent holding their beard, their beard being held, each with a sword in their hand. When the signal is given, each man with the sword in the side and all 24 fall dead. And the devil laughs. Abner and Asahil continue the sport. At the conclusion of that day, and more blood is shed, and a fine young man with all the great potential of being a great leader, this young man fleet of foot, the athlete of his day, Asahel, is wallowing in his blood. Later, Abner, near the same place, would do likewise when Joab gets vengeance upon him. But the word play here, in verse number 14 means to laugh in pleasure or detraction. By implication, to play, to deride, have in derision, to laugh, make merry or mockery. And can I say, manhood, that is what's happened to manhood in this day and age. Men uh, have... Manhood has been made a mock. Hollywood has made manhood to be uh, just uh, men to be idiots with, uh, uh, with being irresponsible. And uh, can I say that the average man coming out now, when, and, and can I say that what's going on in your NCAA bracket today and what may happen uh, today in that uh, pales in comparison to what we are trying to accomplish in, this, uh, in these sessions here this morning. But yet, men, that is the very purpose and the cause of their life is to play their games and the outcome of their sport and of their heroes that they have. And so manhood has been made a mock-off, a mockery. Notice, if you would, what happened to Samson. The will of God for his life was to deliver the children of Israel out of the bondage and, and the hardship of the Philistines. But all Samson could do was make sport out of the will of God for his life to the point when every time he was engaging with the Philistines, it was because of what they did to me. And it was all about Samson. Now, Samson, he could have under the law, could have had a Philistine wife. But God, in his instructions for that young man, he said it will be done this way. You see a young maiden, and uh, you're, you desire her, then you bring her home to your house. And she's to shave all of her head. All that is sensual about her is to be removed. Those sensual garments is to be taken away. She's to change her clothes. There's to be time for her to mourn her father. Time for her to conform to that new life and can I say, young men, you young men here, you can have that young girl out there that maybe you went on the bus route 
and uh, she starts coming, and uh, you, you can have her, she can be your wife, but there's going to have to be some time. Number one, that attraction of this whole world's got to be taken away from her. And all of that, that sensualness has got, and there's got to be time for her to take on the likeness of your family. But you know what happened when Samson, he wound up getting his head shaved. He went down to her house. He took their garments and uh, had his head shaved. And then he was made sport. He made sport. It says there in Judges chapter 16 and verse 25, And it came to pass when their hearts were merry that they said, Call for Samson, that he may make us sport. And they called for Samson out of the prison house. And he made them sport. And they set him between the pillars. And I'm going to tell you, that's what the world wants to do to every one of us men. And if you're not careful, if you just play the man. Oh, it's all about your image. And all about who you are. And you make a game out of it when God's given you a cause. There's a great cause in this life. And can I say that that's what your soul is. Your soul is your life, and it involves the cause for which God made it. But if you waste it, if you trade it as Jesus warned His disciples, if they traded and exchanged their life, their soul for the world, and then they die, they have nothing left. They've lost it all. They've lost, their soul is saved for as going to heaven. But they have nothing to show for it. That life is gone. That life is wasted. They made sport with what God had intended for them to be and to do. We've got a cause. I want you to look at it again. <clears throat> it reminds me, and turn, if you would, to 2 Samuel chapter 10. 2 Samuel chapter 10. I'm reminded in the Civil War, and our Civil War in this, in this, this country... And the first battle of the Civil War was the Battle of Bull Run, which was believed by the Union forces to be the last battle of the Civil War. Uh, it was attended by the elite, as well as the common men and women of Washington. Uh, they took picnic lunches. They dressed in their finest. They, they, uh, they were all trying to find the best spot, the best place which to view this battle. And uh, they were all just in a, in, in a um, uh, uh, party mood till they got out there. The battle did not go as expected. And uh, their cheers and their party atmosphere of the spectators were turned to dismay and confusion as they were caught in the reality and the ugliness of war. And those fine uh, chariots and those people dressed in their finest were running and trying to find cover for their lives in that battle because uh, uh, war is not a sport. There is a cause, and the only time you and I are engaged in this battle is for a cause. Let's see it. In Second Samuel chapter 10 and verse 12, the kingdom has been solidified in David's hand uh, uh, with the nation of Israel. But they have the battles to face of those nations around them. And we find in chapter 10 that Joab's army is surrounded. They have before the Ammonites and, uh, uh, the, and the Syrians uh, that are both on either side of them. They are now... Uh, being uh, surrounded and the battle uh, is about to be engaged and it is, this is serious. And there's the challenge by the general that is given and having learned his lesson from the last waste of lives, Joab, he gives the challenge to his men. He says, verse number 11, If the Syrians be too strong for me, then thou shalt help me. But if the children of Amnon be too strong for thee, then I will come and help thee. Be of good courage and let us play the men for our people and for the cities of our God. And the Lord do that which seemeth him good. Now the outcome of this battle was far different. But this phrase, let us play the men, is a different phrase than 
to mention there in verse uh, chapter 2 and verse 14. This time, the word play the men means to fasten upon, to seize, to be strong, courageous, causatively strengthen, to help, to repair, to fortify, to be obstinate, to bind, to restrain, to conquer. Now this is a good description of what men ought to be that God intended them to be. God said, I'm going to make man and he's going to have the dominion. He's going to conquer this world. He's going to keep it under. He's going to keep it in subjection. He's going to keep it after my will. And that's the cause for which God made man after his likeness. But if we're not careful, we will train and teach our young boys that manhood is just the sport and just the play. And uh, I mean just to reach for all the gusto in life. And, and I mean that's the, that's the whole image that life is just a sport. But it's not. It's a cause. It's for cause for which God has made us. And we notice here the challenge, the cause that is given, he says, for our people. And men, it's time that you be the man for your family. It's the time that we need in our country men that will be men uh, for our nation. My, how we need leaders in this day and age, not caring what the public opinion is, not trying to be politically correct and uh, to be feminized. But, and can I say the only thing, one thing worse than a man trying to play a man is a woman trying to play the man. But I'm going to tell you, our young men, they need to realize there's a cause greater than their, themselves. And not only for our family and for our people, but for our God. Oh, what a purpose that God has given to us. And we need to, we need to be that. We need to honor the Lord. Honor our father and mother. Honor our nation. And we need that in our churches today. And I want to say one more time. You need... Uh, it would do you, you, you well if you could hear that session Pastor O'Donnell spoke on being the man in your home. And your children need to know what a father is. And that father... His life is more than his own. Doesn't make him selfish and self-centered, but for a cause. Moses came one day to realize there was a cause greater than himself. And Hebrews 11 and verse 24 says, By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Did you get that? He refused. He said, I'm not going to be mama's boy. I'm not going to be after like this old world. And he refused, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. One day as I was thinking on unseen things above, the Savior spoke unto me and filled me with His love. Oh, I'm going to die on the battlefield. I'm going to die in this war. I'm going to die on the battlefield. 
with glory in my soul. I used to have some people who walked and talked with me. But since I've been converted, they turned their backs on me. Some say, give me silver, and some say, give me gold. But I say, give me Jesus, who saved my dying soul. Oh, I'm going to die on this battlefield. I'm going to die in this war. I'm going to die on the battlefield with glory in my soul. Give, oh, give me this gospel trumpet. I'll sound it wherever I can. Then I'll carry it home to Jesus, yonder in glory land. Oh, I'm going to die on the battlefield. I'm going to die in this war. Oh, I'm going to die on the battlefield with glory in my soul. Let's don't just play the men. Let's play the man for our people, for our country, for our God. God bless you. Close this service in a word of prayer. Father, we do thank you for this morning and thank you for what we've heard. And Father,